G'day, welcome to Just In Case Law. I'm Tanya Chapman, and every now and again, I think it might be good to have a short and sweet, itty bitty micro episode, just as a palate cleanser. And for this episode, we're looking at the case of Susan Dale Smith uh, by her next friend, the public trustee, versus Marianne Catherine Partridge as executor of the estate of Thomas Smith. It's a 2018 Western Australia Supreme Court decision. And before we kick off, a little explanation to help you understand what's going on here. First, you need to know what is a grant of probate. A grant of probate is a legal document that authorises an executor to manage the estate of a deceased person in accordance with the provisions of the will. So you might say, well, isn't that the will? Doesn't the will authorise the executor? But the, the key issue there is, how does someone know whether this document is the last will of the deceased person or is a valid will? So if you took this will to the bank, how did the bank know they can trust it? What happens if the next day someone comes out in with a will and their will is made even later than the one they saw before? So what happens is an executor can apply for a grant of probate where they complete an application, a sworn statement, and they send the original will to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court looks at all the evidence and the document, the will itself, and they determine, yes, we agree, this looks like it's the last will, and they issue a grant of probate, which is an official document, it's got a court seal on it, it's got a copy of the will in it, and that document opens all of the doors for the executor, because with that document, they can access all of the bank accounts, they could deal with the shareholdings, they can transfer the real estate. Generally, you need the grant of probate to do all of that. So that is what a grant of probate is. In this case, our applicant, who is called Susan, applied to the court for the grant of probate that had already been issued in the estate of Thomas Smith. She wanted that grant of probate to be revoked. She wanted the public trustee to be appointed as executor instead of Marion, her sister, and she wanted Marion to be forced to pay her legal cost of these proceedings. We definitely need to look at the background for that to make sense. Thomas Smith died and he left behind two daughters, Susan and Marion. He left a will, and in that will he appointed his daughter Marion as executor of the estate. She applied for and received a grant of probate And with that grant, she was able to gather in all of the money and to transfer Thomas's house to herself. Now, in the background, Susan applied for and received orders from the the court that would allow her to get some of the estate. The judgment doesn't go into any details about what Thomas provided in his will or how much the court ordered that Susan could get from the estate. But the key thing to remember is that there was new court orders that said Susan would get some of these assets. But to enforce that order, Marion needed to hand back the grant of probate. And so she was ordered to do so. But she did not. So she was failing to comply with court orders. 
and Susan made many attempts to get her sister to comply and to get Marion to share the estate with her, but Marion did not. For over a year, Susan engaged in legal proceedings seeking to bring Marion before the court to force her to comply with the court orders, but Marion was a no-show. She failed to make an appearance and also didn't appear in proceedings relating to her contempt of court orders, her failure to appear. And throughout it all, she attempted to evade service of the orders of the court. So, the application required that it had to be personally served on Marion. Susan was the applicant, and the application documents had to be personally given into Marion's hands to prove that she got it and that she was aware of these court proceedings against her. But this was actually difficult to do because, despite numerous attempts to do so, Marion was evading, she was intentionally attempting to avoid service of the documents, to the extent that Justice Pritchard ultimately said that she was satisfied that reasonable attempts had been made to serve Marion personally, and that, failing that, service by email and by leaving the documents at Marion's front door was sufficient in this case. One of the orders that Marion was evading was the order that she had to hand back the original grant of probate to the court. Because obviously, now that the court has made new orders about the distribution of the estate, that grant of probate isn't correct anymore. Initially, it appeared to the court that Marion was claiming that she had complied with the orders. Later, it was suggested that she had lost the grant or had thrown it away inadvertently while cleaning the house. But overall, she was just avoiding these proceedings, not giving any reason or explanation, and not complying with the court orders. Justice Pritchard found that Marion had, one, failed to proceed with administration of the estate in accordance with her duties, two, failed to respond to correspondence from the public trustee, and three, failed to respond to the service of orders of the court requiring her to produce the grant of probate. Broadly speaking, there are a wide variety of circumstances in which a grant of probate will be revoked, such as where it is discovered that there is some error, or where it is desirable to do so in order to ensure the due administration of the estate, or where it is in the interest of the beneficiaries to do so. An executor who persistently neglects or refuses to carry out their duties to administer the estate is reason for revocation. And quick as spit, we're now at the orders. The judge found that Marion had neglected her duties to administer the estate and was unfit to carry out the role of executor, and that the welfare of Suzanne as the beneficiary required the appointment of a new executor who will administer the estate promptly and in accordance with the law. Therefore, Justice Pritchard ordered that the grant of probate be revoked, that the public trustee be appointed as executor and be granted letters of administration, and it is only proper for Marion to be ordered to pay Suzanne's legal costs personally. So not from the estate, but Marion has to pay them from her own money. 
Further, even though Marion holds the assets of the estate, so she's got the house in her name and all of the other funds, the court confirmed that she held them on behalf of the estate and that the public trustee should take control of them. Finally, let's have a look at cost. Susan applied for orders that Marion pay all of her legal costs. This can be done in situations where it can be shown that there has been some element of improper conduct or unreasonable conduct by the other party. It being found to be an appropriate sanction to demonstrate the court's disapproval of improper or unreasonable conduct. It was found that Marion's conduct was unreasonable in all of the circumstances, and as a result, poor Suzanne had incurred very significant legal cost. To quote Justice Pritchard, quote, The response of the first defendant, that's Marion, has undoubtedly resulted in a very considerable expenditure of cost by the plaintiff, that's Suzanne far in excess of the ordinary costs which should have been required to be expended to vary the will and ultimately then to see the estate administered. In my view, it is appropriate for an indemnity cost order to be made as a sign of the court's disapproval of the conduct of the first defendant. <clears throat> That's Marion. End quote. Marion argued that she had a medical condition that prevented her from following the court orders. However, Justice Pritchard said that even assuming that she had such a medical condition, quote, it does not adequately explain her long delay in responding to communications from the plaintiff and to orders of the court, and in my view, does not excuse the behaviour when it has been palpably clear on the face of the various documents served on her what was expected of her in her capacity as the executor of the estate. End quote. Furthermore, it was noted that there was evidence that Marion had deliberately sought to evade service, perhaps in the hope that she would be able to avoid the outcome of legal proceedings, and she needed to be shown that that was not the case. Quote, that conduct, in my view, also adds to the conclusion that the first defendant's conduct in the contempt proceedings has been unreasonable. End quote. As I said, short and sweet and hopefully interesting. Thank you for joining me for this mini episode and I hope you'll join me for the next one.